Welcome to Press Room on Radio Town. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back with you for Press Room in 2024. Our first edition today, Monday, January 8th. Plenty coming up. Ben Dorries not too far away with lots to talk about as we head towards one of uh, Queensland's biggest weekends of racing, Magic Minions Day at Aquas Park at Gold Coast on Saturday. Of course, our regular panellists as well want to have a chat with Philip Stokes and also Trent Edmonds a little later in the program. Don't forget, I like your contributions as well. Agree or disagree, happy to hear from you and happy to acknowledge what you say, what you think, what you might have heard. And you can text me at 499 putter. That's 499 786837. 499 786837. Or tweet me via Radio Tab Oz. Don't forget the podcast. It's back for 2024 as well. We tweet the link out on Radio Tab Oz, or you can go to Spotify and search under Radio Tab. Press room again for 2024 is proudly brought to you by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Well, a series of events, related or not related, that's a key question in itself, brought forth an admission from Racing Queensland CEO Jason Scott on my colleague Steve Hewlett's Racing HQ program last Thursday. In essence, Scott said Metropolitan Harness Racing may remain at Albion Park, which would see the, quote, Harness Racing Centre of Excellence project, unquote, at Norwell not proceed. Rest assured, it will be one or the other. And they're my words this time. So how have we arrived at this point when so much time, effort and money has gone into the planning of Norwell, which has been heralded as Queensland Harness Racing's new future? As we know, Albion Park is a potential site for the 2032 Olympics. The greyhound industry is sitting pretty, with the queue at Perga ready to open its doors later this year. A wonderful new home and new era for the code. Norwell is, or was, to be the new home for harness racing. But since Anastasia Palaszczuk's exit stage left as Premier, it appears the Labor government is drinking a bit less of the Olympics Kool-Aid, so much so a 60-day study will now carefully examine if all potential sites are needed, and for those that still fit the bill, what needs to be spent on them. And in terms of that, think of the word less rather than more. Several harness racing participants who spoke to me were disturbed with what they heard what they were told from last week. Money's not flush at state government level with an election in October, and money's not flush at racing Queensland either, which is a story for another day. So is it simply convenient for the government to forego Albion Park, which leaves the complex available to continue racing, and neither party needs to stump up the big bucks? The waters are muddied on this one, because the leave Albion Park move to Norwell push, if you like to call it, it's not unanimous. Many are happy to continue to race at the creek. But they aren't mugs either and would demand good money spent on Albion Park or refurbishment in any number of ways, whether it's for the public and or for the participant. Remember, Norwell is, was, trumpeted as the harness racing centre of excellence. Can Albion Park be a harness racing centre of excellence? The story has a long way to play out, but the, the RQCO has let the genie out of the bottle and I'm sure he understands robust conversation on it surely follows, but it's great to have a good memory. 
Many have been caught up in this Albion Park slash Olympic scenario, but that's a blindside. The Albion Park Raceway was long marked for sale by Racing Queensland before the July 2021 announcement of Brisbane hosting the 2032 Olympics, let alone considering it. The controlling body, with Steve Wilson as the chair, as he still is, had grand plans for the raceway precinct to become a commercial housing and green space reality. The Brisbane Greyhound Racing Club were happy to move, but the Harness Club wasn't. I was chair at the time. We began legal action against RQ, only to realise it was a losing battle and we would ultimately go broke in the process. This was well before any Olympics hosting announcement was on the horizon. In fact, almost two years. So what's happened to that plan? The Olympic scenario seems to have cancelled it. What if the government doesn't require Albion Park? Is Steve Wilson's grand plan back on? Who knows? But remember, trots and dogs had to get out of Albion Park and not because of the Olympics. That came later. The Albion Park Raceway site itself is a conundrum in many ways. What's its true worth? Does the government want it or not? How much are they prepared to spend if they want it? Does Racing Queensland want to stay there to race or develop it? Is Dorwell a dead duck? So many questions. One thing's for certain. Harness participants must be better off one way or the other. Never again will they be let along a garden path. Think of Parklands. This time, they will not let Racing Queensland get off scot-free. And yes, excuse the pun. You're listening to Press Room on Radio Tab. Ben Dorries back with us for 2024. Great to have him, of course, as part of the team. Ben, good morning. Yeah, good morning. That was a long editorial, David, which I suspect uh, makes me think that you are very passionate about that subject and you might have some strong views yourself. Well, no, I, <laughs> funny, this is what this is what I am, am somewhat divided on or, or torn on because I get the fact that the harness racing community were of the belief that Norwell was going to be built as the new centre of harness racing excellence, it was a, a new era, a new start. I mean, look at, look at the Greyhounds. They'll be up and running later this year. So even if you didn't like Norwell or you didn't fancy that prospect and you preferred to stay at Albion Park, you became to believe, well, this is going to happen. And as I've said, and I've said this to Jason Scott personally, that the harness racing people were sold a duck years ago when, when Parklands was closed, resumed for the Commonwealth Games, the, the Athletes' Village there. There'll be a compensation, there'll be repatriation, there'll be another track built. Never happened. And I think hardest racing people thought, well, surely it couldn't happen again. Some said, oh, it will. There'll be no Norwell. And I pleaded them to believe. Now, look, Norwell may still go ahead because after the 60-day study, uh, let's say, uh, might say we still want Albion Park. But to be fair, the CEO made the comment last week on my colleague's program and uh, it's out there now, and people are talking about it. Ch check social media, speak to people. Well, people have rung me. So I'm not against staying at Albion Park, but I think the point I made is the most important point. Whatever the scenario, Ben, Albion Park or Norwell, they can't be worse off. They have to be better off. Now, what they do with Albion Park, I don't know. We, we know what they're going to do with Norwell, but they can't be the same or worse off. They have to get a better deal like the Greyhounds did. Yeah, I think probably the key word, I mean, you, you know the tin tax of it far better than I do, but the, probably the key word is clarity. I mean, I think if people have clarity 
going forward as to what's going on, they whether they like it or they don't like it, at least they can plan. Mm. So we, the waters seem to be a bit muddied at the moment, don't they? So I think um, as long as we have a you know some idea, well, well hopefully a good idea of what's going to happen in the near future, um, we can at least move on. Just on another note, oh, no, I, just, I used to live down the Gold Coast. Uh, worked in there for the Courier Mail for quite some time. I used to love going to Parklands. You'd have the the, the, the dual code meeting. You'd be betting on the dogs, and then you'd scamper across to the trots the next minute. Jeez, it was good. I, I understand, uh, you know, what happened there and, and all that sort of stuff. But to me, they were some of the glory days, uh, really, for both codes, I guess. You used to get people just sort of just going down to, to bet every five minutes. They go from one side of the track to the other. I used to love Parklands. I don't know what your feelings were on it. Uh, and obviously, there was good, good reasons for moving on. But... Um, yeah, as a younger man than I am now, I used to love the joint. Well, it was a, it was a, a, in fact, a relatively new complex. It was built in 1988, and as you said, that dual complex and the way it was designed, back to back, it was perfect and uh, was always well looked after, always kept up to the mark, and its life was far too short. But not only were the hardest, the Greyhounds were also promised another track. That never happened. Like seriously, when tracks close, they don't build new tracks. So. Uh, and that's that's what I'm I'm thinking about with Rose Hill. If if Rose Hill does close, there's this talk. Oh, we'll build a new track somewhere else. Yeah, and pigs might fly as well. <laughs> what what about last Monday? Uh, we had the King of the Mountain, Rothfire won, popular win, popular horse, popular win. This was the second running of the King of the Mountain. Um, it, it has come under some scrutiny in terms of the the composition of the field. Your thoughts? Yeah, and look, this is no knock on Rothfire at all. I love the horse and, and good on them for winning the race. And Steady Ready, I thought, ran arguably the race of um, that horse's life as well, or one of them. But look, I, I think it definitely needs change. Um, look, the initial concept to restrict it to Queensland bred, Queensland trained horses and Queensland jockeys, you could sort of get, you know, trying to sort of fly the Queensland flag and be a bit parochial. But look, I, I mean, I love... Queensland racing and racing in Queensland but look I just think at that time of year there's just not um, you know that many high quality sprinters of national interest and, and let's face it you know we're looking out for wagering and we want eyes on Queensland we don't only want Queensland eyes on Queensland racing we want national eyes on Queensland racing so look I, I think they should to be honest I just think they should abandon the Queensland element of it um, it just to me, it's just too small a pool of horses. I mean, we're very lucky this year with Rothfire, which I suspect, and I haven't spoken to Rob Heathcote about this, but I suspect probably the primary reason that Rothfire himself ran was uh, to, to get that wild card into the, the Million Dollar Magic Millions race uh, this week. Um, so without that, he may not have run himself, and then we would have seen, to be honest, a, a very ordinary field. So, look, I think there needs to be change in that. I, I also think... Uh, I mean, look, the focus is on Magic Millions. It's on two-year-olds um, at this... Yeah, two- and three-year-olds, I guess, at this point of the year. Would there be perhaps a call to move it to the start of the Winter Carnival to, to maybe try and get some of those uh, southern sprinters coming up to bounce off the King of the Mountains you know, into other races in the, in the Winter Carnival? Personally, I, I think that would work better. Now, this is no knock on Toowoomba at all. I wish them every success with the race. And I love new concepts in racing. Uh, I'm glad they've tried it, but I think it needs significant change. And the main change, whether they change the date or not, I'm not sure, but I just think they've got to open it up to some other horses other than Queensland horses. And to be honest, other than Queensland jockeys as well, I love Queensland jockeys. But I know, for instance, Blake Shin, 
uh, was keen to ride in the King of the Mountain this year and was told, no, 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 you can't ride in it. You're not, not a Queensland jockey. I mean, how bloody ridiculous is that? Seriously, we're turning away a champion jockey from another state to ride in one of our races. So, look, I think it has a future. Uh, what sort of future, I'm not sure. But I just reckon we've got to get rid of the Queensland element of the race and open it for all comers. A bit like the Archer in Rockhampton. Yeah. Uh I partially agree with you, and I'm sure there will be discussion out of this year's race, uh, heading forward, moving forward. I know there was last year, and I mean, this program pushed for the the date to be changed to New Year's Day, and we saw that happen. Uh, I think there are two elements, uh, and you've highlighted both of them. One is in the right spot, is in the right spot on the calendar. Difficult to find spots. Um, you know, you talked about start, maybe going towards before the start of the carnival. Well, that's where the archer is as well. But also yeah, sure. the Queen, the Queensland element. Uh, as I said on radio last Monday when I was talking with Luke Marlow, uh, the cutest concept uh, and Queensland trainers and jockeys is very admirable and very noble. But then try and get it right. But I will say this on on the other side of the ledger. I'm not giving up on it. The first year, I thought it was in the wrong time slot, but it was a good race. There was a lot of publicity because it was the first running. I do think this year, and no no disrespect to Rothfire's connections, I think Rothfire might have scared a few horses out um, in terms of we don't want to race Rothfire. And the reason they don't want to race Rothfire is, one, because it's Rothfire, but two, there are so many other available races. Look at a horse like Chitty Boom. She's cutest, but she went to black type race, the Nudgy. So I think there's a lot to discuss, but, but I'm, not, I'm not giving up on it in, in its present format. One thing, Ben, from Saturday, uh, the racing of the Gold Coast was excellent, but I think the thing that really shone above was how well the track played. Firstly... We saw the, the recuperative powers outstanding during the week that we raced on a good four. The times were spectacular. Uh, but, but in fairness, uh, the Gold Coast Club and Racing Queensland know they've got you know, a virgin territory here. They want to protect it. And an email went out last week about a few date changes. But I read a bit more into this, and here's one for you. I'll throw this up at you. I'm tipping racing on the, on the poly track again, whether it's the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast. Under race conditions, is a million to one. Uh, yeah, I reckon you're right, David. Um, it look the field sizes were, were terrible. The field quality was ordinary. Um, in terms of wagering, I'm not across the tin tax, but look from a personal note, I don't think I've ever had a bet on a poly track in my life, and I'd bet on two cockroaches running up a wall. Don't think it does much for wagering. Um, so, look, I, I suppose, I mean, there had to be a stopgap measure at the Gold Coast, didn't there, really, uh, if they wanted to keep racing there while the, the grass track was being refurbished and re, rebuilt. But, look, look, now that's out of the way. Uh, I don't disagree with you, old mate. I reckon you could be right on the ball there. Another one I found interesting, and this is uh, April 27th, so it's a few months away. It says Gold Coast was a day meeting, now a twilight meeting. Interesting, twilight, late April. Saturday, April 27, Toowoomba was a night meeting, which we know traditionally is, week in, week out, is now a day meeting. So I don't know what to read into that. Yeah, perhaps uh, there may have been a little bit of a delay with the lights on the Gold Coast. I'm not sure. I'm not across that. I haven't been able to find out. Um, but, look, I suppose in terms of the lights, uh, I think it would be acceptable, wouldn't it, uh, you know, if we have them up and running, certainly, you know, in time for Magic Millions uh, next year, if not before. 
Uh, I've long been an advocate for lights on the Gold Coast. I think they'd be terrific. I mean, look, I think Happy Valley of Australia is probably taking it a little bit too far. But it could have that sort of vibe with, you know, the the, 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 the theme parks, the you know, the accommodation houses, the beaches, the, not, the nightclubs, all that sort of stuff. So, look, I don't think we're going to get a hot magic millions day uh, for the first time in a long while, actually, on Saturday. I think the temperatures are under 30 all week and we've got a bit of rain around. So, might actually be on the cooler side for summer this year. But, I mean, traditionally... Um, Magic Millions Day has been hot, bloody hot. You know, you've seen ladies dressing up and their makeups run all over them before the first races even race. So, look, I love the idea of, um, you know, for the people on track and also for, you know, a TV product, I love the idea of a Magic Millions under light. So let's hope we're progressing towards that. Yeah, there have been a few night meetings. Well, there are night meetings scheduled almost every second Friday in the first few months of the year. Some of those have been cancelled, but the, the, the one that is staying is March 8. So keep that in mind March 8 night racing of the Gold Coast uh, as far as that is concerned okay Magic Millions now what are you tipping what are you tipping in the two-year-old well it's tricky isn't it because we are before the barrier draw there's a bit of rain around this week Uh, how will the track play Um, I dare say given that they had 200 mils at the start of last week and the track was a good four um, no matter how much rain they have this week I don't think the surface will be um, too disaffected. Look, I'm not going away from the obvious. I think Storm Boys ticked the 1,200 metre box. He's uh, a very strong horse, whereas some of the others in the race may not be. Been up here for a while, got the Gay Waterhouse polish. Yes, I know it's the favourite. I think the danger is parkour, the Godolphin Colt. I was really impressed um, with his win in Sydney with Jamie Carr on board. And, and the run before, he was you know, taking significant ground, although beaten you know, fair and square. Uh, by Arabian Summer, who we saw win, you know, pretty brilliantly on Saturday. So I think there's significant upside there. And Godolphin aren't a huge buyer, of course, are they, at Magic Millions? Mm. They're very selective uh, in what they buy, so I'm sure they wouldn't be uh, just racing this colt for shits and giggles in a Magic uh, Millions. So they're my two. And as you know, David, I can't find much outside of that. What about you? No, you've you've, uh, you've um, nailed your colours to the mast there. Storm Boy to be parkour. I'm going to go with Highness, pre-barrier draw. Seven dollars. Uh, I think he can do a capitalist uh, in those same colours for James Harron. The capitalist did uh, back, I think, in 2016. I think he can beat Storm Boy, and I think Parkour's the other chance. Three-year-olds, what are you tipping there before we join Mitch Cohen? Yeah, I'm coming around to your way. Thinking, I think that Sydney bowler has got a beautiful uh, sense of timing. John O'Shea is, is really keen. He's definitely on the upward spiral. Look, the other one is Sofrado. Uh, I think what we saw last start, uh, coming back gelded, that was an impressive win, arguably the most impressive win in Australia on that particular day. So, look, I'm not going too left to centre here. I think they're both uh, the $6 mark. Draws will be especially important, I think, um, well, especially for Storm, uh, not, uh, Storm Boy, um, Sydney Bowler. Um, Sofrado will probably drift back a bit, obviously. But, look, I think the winner will come from one of those two. And whichever one probably draws better will be the one I have on top. We've only got the same Quinella as me. Sydney Bundle will beat Safrata. And I'm not actually selling Weigel Tiger short at $21. I know he disappointed the city to serve, but he didn't get the mile. I think back to the 1400 fast run, can draw a gate, settle off the speed. He can run a race at odds. Thanks for your time this morning, Ben. Thanks, David. Ben Dorries joining us. As I said, Mitch Cohen's on the line. Mitch, good morning. How are you? Yeah, very well, David. How was the Christmas? All good. Welcome, uh, welcome back and g'day to all the punters. Yeah, we're back and ready to fly for 2024. Speaking of flying, Tyler Schiller and Molly Burke were flying in a race at Royal Ramwick on Saturday. 
I had a look at the replay again. Uh, they went far too fast, but this can often happen when you've got two horses who like to roll forward, particularly F- F- Felix Majestic. But I know some people don't appreciate times, but rest assured, they went far too fast and paid the penalty. But those who do understand times, from a standing start, they ran the first half mile in 45-2. Between the 1,200 and the 600, they ran a figure of 31.85. What happened out of the race? <laughs> well, yeah, well, we, you only needed to look at Twitter after the race, didn't you, to see there was um, some disgruntled punters, certainly. Uh, look, the run of Felix Majestic, all things considered, uh, especially when you mentioned those times, wasn't he huge? I mean, if he if he wasn't taking... Like, Molly Burke's gone into the room afterwards and said, uh, look, she spoke to Gary before the race, Gary Nixon, that is the, the trainer, of course, and they spoke, they wanted to lead at all costs. Now, uh, Tyler's kicked up inside of her. Um, he, he gave him a dig in the ribs out of the gates called Jakey, uh, the horse on the inside, and he just kept going. Unfortunately, he couldn't pull, pull him up, and once he got going and, and Molly was trying to find the front on his outside, they just got in uh, one of those speed battles where you go, who's going to lay up first? Now, neither of them did. Uh, they kept going. Now, they just, I think at one stage, they were probably eight nine lengths in front uh, at about the 600 metre mark. Felix Majestic just kept going and only got nailed on the line by Joe Pride's other horse in Exceladus. Now, Joe, after the race, it was one of those things where you look at a trainer and there was a bit of, I guess, mixed emotions. He was happy to have won the race, but he was still sort of shaking his head uh, what was going on there with Cool Jakey, which was the favourite in the race and faded to finish last. So, um, they obviously the stewards ask plenty of questions. Will there be any answers on it? I think it's just probably rider error at, at the time. Uh, caught up in the moment. Uh, will anything come of it? I'd say you'd hazard a guess and say probably not. It was just um, yeah, two riders that got caught up in the moment and both one in the front. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. Caught up in the moment. Speaking about getting caught up in the moment, if you're backing Terramata, you're you're certainly caught up in a good moment because. She's never missed a, a first three check Terramata for Jared Austin, who trains her, and she's in really good form. But the the key to this story is she was a bargain buy. Truly a bargain buy. And, and, and Jared's always got a, a nice horse on his hands. He obviously was training... Um, well, he, he's, he's always got a horse that's sort of around the mark in, in, in city races, but she's just something special, isn't she? She was... Uh, a seven hundred and seventeen fifty uh, weanling buy. Now I bought a weanling the other day. I've got about five percent of one around the same price. So if I can get close to what this mare is, uh, with his in town, dreaming big a few years out, David. But uh, look, she's she's outstanding. She she's won three straight in town now. Uh, she looks destined for to stakes races sometime in the future. But Jared's just done a terrific job with it. We know how good the prize money is in Sydney. You just keep ticking those boxes and you, you, you're going to be banking 50 grand plus checks every week if you can and if you can win Sydney races. And that's what she's doing. Uh, she won terrific on the weekend. It was a, a great ride from Nasherilla. He was just biding his time. Now, go back and watch it. He was just sitting pretty at about the 600. You knew she was going to pounce and she just went straight past him. Uh, look, it's it's great for Jared. It looks like Elvis has obviously just retired. That was his the horse that was, uh, I guess, a bit of a stable flag bearer for him. Um, but this mare is going to go places. I think. I think she could probably knock off a little Group Three 
uh, in Mayor's company, uh, maybe early in the, uh, in the autumn carnival. Yeah, she doesn't know how to run a bad race. Speaking of jockeys, J-Mac is, is back in town. He rode a double at Canterbury on Friday night. He was in form on Saturday. Question to you, we're almost halfway through the season. He's lying there on 31 Metro wins. Nash up on top on 41. Can J-Mac push his way up the ladder and win another premiership? I think he probably does, doesn't he? He's just going to get so many rides. I mean, it took... Uh, he was only back... His first day back was Friday. He rode two... Um, he only rode the one on Saturday, but he's just going to get so many rides. I think um, on Saturday, obviously, so many people are coming up. He'll probably ride two or three on, on Saturday. I know he's riding Chrysor in, in that Magic Moon three-year-old Guineas, which is a near favourite. Uh, Spywire as well, which was uh, a terrific winner last weekend. So he'll probably come up there, uh, spend a few weekends away, but he just gets the plum rides. He's determined. He won't say it too much, but he, he loves winning these premierships. He's obviously won so many over the last couple of years. Um, look, 10, or what is it now, below 10 winners, he could knock that off in a couple of weeks. I think he probably does win, but uh, take nothing away from Nash really. He's riding terrific form this year, a week off over Christmas. He'll go up and ride the millions and ride those carnivals and, and then follow the good horses. But James is just going to get uh, full books every week while he's back. It's, it's hard to stop him. Fair enough. And, of course, uh, as we go, uh, Danny Beasley training his first winner as, as a jockey at Wagga on the, uh, late last week. Thanks for your time, Mitch. Cheers, mate. Enjoy your year. Mitch Cohen joining us from the, the Daily Telegraph. Well, on Saturday, most of the attention was focused on Aquas Park Gold Coast with the big wave race day, but we also had a very good meeting at Geelong. This was their first Saturday Metropolitan meeting. It attracted a good crowd, a good holiday crowd, but there was a lot of racing interest as well, and... One horse that particularly took my attention, I'm sure it did many around Australia, was a two-year-old called Stay Focused, making its debut in a race called the Geelong Diamond. Not only did it win, but it was very impressive. Philip Stokes is the trainer. I want to have a chat with Philip about Stay Focused. Philip, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Did this horse do everything you expected of him on on Saturday? Yeah, look, he did. He did. Jumped out and trolled up nicely leading into this. You always worry, you know, first starter, but um, panned out beautifully with uh, Gay's horse putting good speed into the race. He got a lovely trail and um, he did everything right. It was very, very pleasing and an easy watch. Yeah, it certainly was. Two things that, that struck me out of the race, you know, when looking back at the race, the time was 1377 for the 1100. I look back, the Geelong track record's 1296. So when a two year old can run within a second, of a track record, I think speaks volumes for the performance. And keep in mind that track record's been there for uh, around 25 years. But the other thing, Philip, that I'm thinking too, I'm thinking this race might be a very strong race. There always have to be beaten runners, but I think the horse that ran second, Trunk, and the horse that ran third, Markdell, I'm sure they're going to win their fair share of races. So I'm thinking it's a strong form race. Are you thinking the same thing? Yeah, I'm hoping you're right. Um, I'm, I've heard whispers that Gay and Adrian liked, liked their horse and obviously the third horse ran well. So, you know, and it was um, an exemption from the Blue Diamond, so obviously there was going to be some nice horses in it. And, um, yeah, hopefully the form stacks up and the time, times don't lie. Um, he ran a very slick time. He cost a 250k at the Magic Millions sale. So he's a Magic Millions graduate, but in, in terms of his preparation... Did that come up too soon, the millions, or was the Blue Diamond always the main consideration? 
Um, it, it probably came off a little bit too soon, and um, we just thought he's still an entire. Um, we're just going to live the dream, and we mm. thought we'll try and aim up for a blue diamond, and you never know what happens. Yeah, exactly right. And just on a, on a broader front, and I don't know if you've been in this position before, but I'm sure many trainers and owners are as well. You buy a horse at the Magic Millions, it comes to a point, uh, you know, Magic Millions, or do you go a Blue Diamond, or do you go a Golden Slipper? It, it's a probably sometimes a tough decision to make. Oh, it is. You know, you've obviously got the big prize money up here on offer. Um, then, yeah, you've got to counter in the, obviously, travelling them up here, but you, you can do that. I think it's easier to fly them in myself. Um, I suppose it depends on your horse. Um, if it's a stallion or it's a filly or you're chasing black type or what your circumstances are, but um, yeah, it's a tough one to walk away from with your prize money on offer. Those colours, I think they're the colours of, of Bennett Racing. I'm sure I've seen those colours in, in Adelaide as well. Am I right or wrong? No, definitely. Well, you would have seen the half brother going around on Adelaide Apache Star. Um, we've oh, had, that's it, yeah. Yeah, we've had we've actually been training for Nathan and the team for quite a while, and um, I've actually had two siblings out of that same mare. So obviously they went and bought this one and gave it to me, which was good. And um, really looking forward to him going to the um, the prelude now. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So the previews are on on Australia Day. You, you, do you bypass those and just go to the prelude then the Diamond? That's right. That's what we'll be doing. Yeah. Also, a good uh, result for his sire, Cosmic Force. He's a, a first season sire, stands at Newgate. He's only had a handful of runners, and I think uh, your horse was his second individual winner. Yeah, the team at Newgate will be very happy. Like he's a son of Deep Fields, so who obviously um, there's no more of them, but um, I'm sure he'll be a very nice horse. And what I've seen of him, I, I like him. Yeah. Uh, Comparison-wise, with, with Stay Focused and some of the other good young horses you've had, how, how does he stack up? Where, where does he land in the overall scheme of things? Oh, we'll, we'll start. We'll put him on top. At this, this stage, he's come to hand very, very early. Um, mm. I don't usually have many runners this early. I've had runners in the Blue Diamond before, but, um, yeah, this horse looks like he's yeah, very progressive and um, he's, he's right up there. Appreciate your time this morning. He looks uh, an extra good horse and... Um, that, that carrot of getting into the or being exempt for the Blue Diamond is good, so the path is right for him. Uh, Adelaide seems to be going well. You, you run up there near the top of the Metro Premiership. Yeah, um, well, we obviously only got a smaller team there now since I've been based in Victoria for the last five years. My son Tommy and the team there do a fantastic job. We only have about twenty in work at any one time. We're always swapping and changing horses, but um, I think we're up leading the Metro Premiership at the moment. So. Um, I might have to send some more horses that way and see if we can um, knock it off again. We've done it previously. Yeah, and it's a good position you're in where you can, um, you know, shift and go back and forth, particularly like, you know, it gives you far more options and also maybe a horse who's not quite striking well in Melbourne will be, will be you know, better served in Adelaide. Yeah, definitely. Now they've had those prize money increases, like they're racing for probably a little bit more than we do at our midweek Sandown meetings, so it's, it's an easy sell to the owners and they're happy to have horses go over there and race and um, you know, the big syndicates and all that so it's very good and um, I think Adelaide's definitely going in the right direction Yeah, 100%. Philip, appreciate your time this morning, your comments and continued good success with Stay Focus he looks one that's pretty good Thanks for having me on There he is, Philip Stokes joining us and I think this horse is a, is a very nice horse, Stay Focused have a look at his winner Geelong and that race the Geelong Diamond, he puts them away well and as I said the time is good and uh, I think the horses he beat and no slouches either. Just checking those markets for the, the big races on the weekend. Of course, markets are up on tab fixed for all races bar the two debut races.
But as far as the two-year-old is concerned, little has changed since the weekend. Stormboy is a clear favourite, $2.50. He's looking to go uh, three from three in the millions on Saturday for Gay and Adrian. Spy Y now at $6 after his win in the Nugget. Highness at seven. I like Highness. Arabian Summer, who won the Pearl, is on the fourth line of betting with Parkour for Godolphin at $8. And then there's that gap to Wolfgang at 15 coming out of the McLaughlin. So that's the market at this stage. And as far as the three-year-old is concerned, nothing's really changed over the weekend because there was no form references to change the market. Crow Sayer and Sydney Bowler, each at $6. Sofrato at 7 Abounding at 8 Infatuation, 11 Royal Tribute, 13 The one I mentioned, I'll mention it again, Weigel Tiger, $21, I think, is the best roughie in the race. Of course, both of those races, fields will be declared. Final acceptance is taken at 10 o'clock this morning. That's Queensland time, so just over an hour away. And, of course, the barrier draws will be conducted tomorrow morning on the beach, which is always a great crowd pleaser. So get down there to the Gold Coast tomorrow. But plenty happening, of course. We had the, the polo and the show jumping yesterday. The ponies were there on Saturday. And, of course, the sales start tomorrow. So it's a, it's a big time here in South East Queensland, particularly on the Gold Coast. We'll take a break. Plenty more happening on Press Room on the other side. You're listening to Press Room with David Fowler on Radio Tab. Great to hear some old magic millions there. Dance Hero in 2004 for Gay. She's looking to win another one. I think it'll be million six, but this time with Adrian Bott. They've got the favourite Storm Boy. And, of course, Sunlight in 2018. Trained them by Tony McAvoy. Tony now trains with his son, Calvin. They're in partnership and they'll have Arabian Summer, who's a great chance in the race on Saturday. Well, the Tech One or Canine, your one-stop shop is Garrard's Horse and Hound. 13 stores across Australia and New Zealand. Garrard's Horse and Hound stock all of the big names and they provide the very best in veterinary services. You can buy the products online, horseandhound.com.au or there's a free call number, 1800 060 896. 1800 060 896. Garrett's Horse and Hound, they've presented press room since day one, almost nine years ago. Ben Scannon's on the line in Adelaide now. Ben, good morning. Morning, David, and Happy New Year to you. We're a bit Same late, to you. Same chance. to you. Plenty to talk about. I saw yeah. a trainer's name pop up on Saturday at Gawler. I had no idea who she was. Marissa Moyle. Yeah. I went back and looked at her, her training career. She's been in and out of training... Uh, 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 over the last decade or so, I think. Yeah. She she trained. She I saw her in 2016. Then she didn't train for four years. Yeah. So I don't know a huge amount about Marissa to tell you the truth in terms of her background, other than than what I kind of could find out online, reading back through when she was training horses. She's, from what I can work out, she's smiling from above. Who won at Gawler on Saturday is, is her only horse in work. So obviously she's not a full time trainer. Yeah, she hasn't trained a winner since 2014. This was her first city winner. Um, done a really good job with this horse, Smiley from above. He's racing really well. I think we black booked him last time and got the job done really comprehensively at Gawler on Saturday. But, yeah, um, it's always nice to see somebody who's obviously got a passion for the sport, not doing it to make a, a fortune out of it by any means, but does it because she loves it, I would assume. And, um, yeah, it's always great to see somebody like that get some, get some results. But it looks, it looks like she's only ever had one or two horses in work at most based out of Morpherville um, took over this uh, the training of this horse from Desiree Strah, smiling from above from memory, so um, I assume there was some kind of connection there and there was a handover Fair enough I was just talking to Philip Stokes about Stay Focused who was impressive at Geelong on Saturday, he's Blue Diamond Bound and Philip may mention, we were talking about his Adelaide base, he said we're leading the 
Metro Premiership. I found the more. that uh, that was <laughs> that was the case, but it wasn't after Saturday <laughs> because Will Clark and Nicky O'Shea have moved above him. Yeah, that's right. And it's funny with Phil, isn't it? He um, he actually had a double at goal on on Saturday, so you would kind of think, oh, well, that's enough to, to keep him ahead of the game. He won um, one with Celsius Star, and then uh, won one later on in the day. Who was that with? With um, Pass me. Oh, it's right. Mix Magic. Yeah, Mix Magic run really well as well. So he got the two winners. But um, yeah, Will Clark and Nicky O'Shea, they trained a treble and um, they've got a really good strike rate recently. I think it's, um, you know, I think they're, they're running about 60% winners to starters or something like that this year. So that stable was going really well. And I think we always suspected that that stable would, would kick into gear. They moved, moved camp, so they've got a They've got a training facility um, just outside of Selix Hill, um, which is in the south coast of Adelaide. Um, they've also set up camp at Murray Bridge as well. So I think it would have taken quite a while for them to settle into those those new locations, working out what routines work best for the horses. Um, but they've certainly got some quality bloodstock. Um, they had a had a two-year-old that Jamie Carr came across to ride last week. Uh, uh, an expensive year and it looks like a very promising horse as well so I feel like that team certainly building um, Will said that look they won't be winning the trainers premiership because they don't have the numbers to do it um, but yeah they're going very very well and the Stokes team certainly does have enough horses but a lot of those horses race in, race in Melbourne so they're unlikely to win the Adelaide premiership either look you'd assume that it would most likely end up that Richard and, Sean, uh, Richard and Chantel Jolly will win the premiership again because they race a lot of horses here but um, only time will tell yeah, exactly right. Uh, Will and Nicky on 19 Metro wins with Philip on 17 and Richard and Chantel on 16. So a fairly keen contest as we reach, almost reach the halfway mark. Yeah. Good to see Jess Eaton back in, in the riding list. Yeah, really good, wasn't it? Um, look, Jess had almost six months out of the saddle, had some had, a, had an injury issue that kind of prevented her from riding, but it's, it's easy to forget that she was actually our, our premier jockey a couple of seasons ago, um, came across here to South Australia um, and kind of made a huge impression very quickly. She had a had that strong connection with the Michael Hickmott stable, still got a very strong connection with the Michael Hickmott stable, um, and that team together had a had a hugely successful year. But yeah, really good to see Jess back. She um, yeah she rode on New Year's New Year's Day, and then um, it was really nice that she got her her three hundredth career winner. Matt Gambier on Wednesday on a horse called Crank, C-R-A-N-C, which is trained out of Warrnambool. But, um, yeah, really good to see Jess back. And I'm sure it won't take too long and trainers will be um, on the phone booking her and uh, she'll be riding, you know, I'm sure plenty of races and plenty of winners through the rest of this season. We sh- should also this morning give honourable mentions to Rochelle Mills and Brittany Wall. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? I, I, you know, I love the stories around the apprentices here in South Australia. Our Apprentice Academy does a, does a fantastic job. Um, under the leadership of, of Bryony Moore, um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a you know it's a it's a great setup, a great facility, and, and our apprentices do so well, and they always progress into bigger and better things a lot of the times. So, and yeah, Rochelle Mills, she rode her first Metro, had her first Metro success on second to none for that Will Clark and Nicky O'Shea stable, and Will was full of praise for Rochelle after that race. Um, you know, said that she rode the horse perfectly, and she certainly did. Yeah, and Brittany Wong, she she had her first um, city winner a week earlier um, on Winning Revolution for John O'Connor. So that was uh, it was really nice of those apprentices doing well. Those Hong Kong apprentices, particularly, you know, we've um, you know built a really strong relationship with the Hong Kong Jockey Club here in South Australia. A lot of apprentices come down here, kind of earn their stripes, and then 
the best head back to um, head, head back to Hong Kong and make their mark over there, which is you know what's happened. Jerry Chow, for example, riding really well. Uh, Victor Wong, uh, Matthew Poon was one of the real trailblazers as well. Yeah, certainly was. I've had my first seniors moment for 2024. It'll be the first of many, so just bear with me. But I was actually talking to Philip Stokes about stay focused, and I forgot to mention or discuss Stretton Angel. So fill in the gaps for me here. She's a very good <laughs> filly. We saw her uh, yeah, during the spring. She ran really well in the Coolmore after winning, I think, was the, the Dane Hill. Yeah, what's yeah, the, plan the group with her? two Dane Hill. So yeah, she's a she's a high quality horse. Obviously, Stretton Angel. We saw her over here early on in her career, and she went to Melbourne and really proved herself. As you said, was the Group Two Dane Hill winner. Um, and Philip Stokes has said that she'll um, she'll be aimed at the Sangster, which is a you know really obvious spring race for the fillies and mares over here. Worth good money in a Group One as well. So I'm sure they'd love to to claim a Group 1 with Stretton Angel and then if things go according to plan then she'd push on to the Goodwood as well. So, um, yeah, she's going to follow that familiar path, Sangster, into the Goodwood if things go according to plan. But that's... Um, it's really good with these races, these sprint races in particular. You do hear trainers talking about them quite a way out. These are their plans for the year. So you can get excited about it and know that those, those races are going to be really, really high quality again. And just in closing, Bodell Francis is heading to Oakbank. Yeah, that's pretty significant news. We we talked about Shane Collins leaving Oakbank um, relatively recently. He's um, he's joined the motors motorsport um, back in the motorsport industry where he's he's got some history. And yeah, Bodell has decided to take on that role as chief executive of the Oakbank Racing Club. She's um, she was obviously the first female chair of the South Australian Jockey Club um, a few years back, and then she. Um, at that stage, she then was working as the as the general manager of the Oval Hotel, the main the main hotel at the Adelaide Oval. Um, she then moved into that role as CEO of Greyhound Racing SA. She's been in that role for around about 18 months or, or so, but she's obviously decided to to move on from that. That would have been a very very high commitment job, and Bedell has has a young family, so that may have been a factor there as well. She may have some more flexibility with that role at Oakbank, but she she's a it's a real coup, I think, for the club to be able to pick up Bodell. Um, you know, Shane Collins did an outstanding job, but I think um, you know, Bodell has outstanding qualifications to, to really help progress the, um, the Oak Bank Easter Carnival. Ben, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, David. Ben Scannon joining us from Adelaide. I mentioned before that the markets are up on tab, uh, fixed odds markets on every race for Millions Day, bar the two debut races. Just to give you a bit of a helping hand here, Zarastro spoke with Tony Gollan this morning. Definitely goes to the Cup and not the Snippets. And Chinny Boom's been nominated for a few races. Clint Taylor outlined to me he will accept for both the Phillies and Mares and the Cutis race and just see how the, the fields pan out as far as barrier draws are concerned. And she's in the market in both races. That's Chinny Boom and Zarastro. Two very informed horses and popular horses here in South East Queensland. Let's go to Tassie. Colin McNiff joins us. Colin, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. I'm just, uh, just in the car at the moment for a few seconds. You've caught me on the hop with this promotion up the batting order. Yeah, sorry about that, Cole. Um, <laughs> That's okay. We touched on this late last year, and for people outside of Tasmania, it seems incredulous, but for people inside of Tasmania, it must seem incredulous times ten. You had... An eighth racing director, within seven years appointed, was supposed to start on Boxing Day. His name was Ash Rushton, and he didn't even get to the first base. No, no, resigned the, the day he was supposed to start. Uh, personal reasons was the uh, 
was the answer as to why he wasn't starting, but uh, what they were, uh, nobody seems to know. But yes, we've got an interim uh, racing director in place at the moment, a man who's had done it uh, once before on an interim basis. But the government doesn't uh, advertise this job. They just keep shuffling people from different departments. We've had uh, four ex-police officers uh, come across and uh, each and every one has only lasted a short time. So... It's about time the government advertised this position and made it open to uh, to all and sundry rather than just shuffling the deck chairs as they've been doing in recent times. Yeah, you, you talk about bureaucracy at its worst. I'll just read this paragraph out of the Mercury for our listeners outside of Tasmania. The appointment of Ash Rushton, a long-serving regional manager and project director for the Tasmania Parks and Wildlife Service, to the Department of Natural Resources and Environment's Office of Racing Integrity. How the hell does the Office of Racing Integrity land under Natural Resources and Environment? Mm. Well, it shouldn't. Uh, that's uh, that's a well-known fact down here. It certainly shouldn't come under that, but that's what happens with, uh, as you say, bureaucracy and, uh, and government, uh, the way they operate things. But hopefully uh, the Office of Racing Integrity will soon be moving to uh, within the walls of TAS Racing and we can start getting a few appointments right. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's been a, last year was a very tough year for Tasmanian racing in all codes, and which has been well discussed. Uh, the Ray Murray report we've discussed that several times. Is it in the hands of the government now? It is. It's been there probably for close on a month now. It was uh, was well before Christmas when uh, when they received the Murray report. But as of yet, uh, nothing has been made public. Uh, the, the word around was. Perhaps Ash Rushton uh, had a quick look at that Murray report, and that was the reason that he, he didn't want to take up the job. Uh, but you know, the, the racing minister and uh, a few of the bureaucrats have obviously uh, seen what's in there, but uh, nothing has been been released publicly. Yeah, if it wasn't so serious, you'd, you'd think it was a joke, but it's not, unfortunately. Mm. What was it a joke? Well, was... I, 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 to be honest, I, I don't think I don't think we'll see it until uh, after the racing carnival now, which is you know getting into March. Mm. What was it a joke was uh, a, a, a tumble, not more than a tumble, it was a pile-up at mm. St Mary's. This is a, a grass trotting track. I think they race once a year. Uh, tell mm. us about that. Yeah, yeah look, it's, uh, as you probably know, it's very hard to maintain a track for a once-a-year meeting. I'm not sure if we'll see Harness racing at St Mary's again. Uh, they, they had a crossing just at the turn out of the straight in the St Mary's Cup started just at the top of the straight so it was a short run to the first turn and one of the horses uh, galloped over the crossing and uh, it came down and uh, seven of the nine in fact fell there was quite spectacular footage Gareth Rattray being catapulted out of his sulky and uh, flying through the air fortunately a few scratches and bruises and, and no real serious injuries for either horse nor driver came out of it but whether uh, we, we continue to race at St Mary's on, on News Day, it's a very popular, it's down the east coast, they get a big crowd down there, but whether they can maintain racing down there just once a year remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I, I took time out to have a look at the vision, and I hadn't seen the track before, it's quite a, well, it's a, it's a pretty track with, with mm. trees in the, the centre, but I did notice that crossing on the turnout of the straight, mm-hmm. and even when there's no interference, you watch them go over that crossing. It's more than a crossing. It must be like a, uh, yeah. a rise because a you see hump. the drivers, they almost yeah. bounce out of the sulky. Yeah, it's more like a speed hump, isn't it, rather than yeah, a exactly. crossing. And it's, as you say, very picturesque. There's a little golf course in the middle of the St Mary's track there. It's a lovely little spot. And as I say, but perhaps those those sort of days with OH&S, those days of these picturesque little country tracks that they race on once a year, they may have gone. 
What's happening with the inevitable? He's out for a spell. He had two runs down here. There were excuses first up in the conquering when he ran seventh. We had a deluge of rain 15 minutes prior to the race. Uh, he got well back. He ran home, finished second. After that race, the meeting was called off. He then came to Hobart and loomed to win uh, the Tasmanian Stakes. Uh, he was there at the 200-metre mark. He joined in, but he just couldn't get past them. He finished fourth. It was a, a tight finish, a neck by a nose by a nose. But the old inevitable, 12 months ago, would have dashed past them and won by, by a couple of lengths. But uh, they decided on the, uh, on the strength of that performance, they'd give him a spell with no real plans in order for, uh, for where he'll go next. Well, you're starting to get into your summer carnival on Wednesday. We've got uh, the Devonport Cup. It's race nine on a 10-race card, and they've been rewarded with a capacity field of 14 at the 1880 metres. Have you got any mm. thought? Yeah, it, very good race. Probably half a dozen really good chances. I think uh, Ashy Boy, uh, who's come down here and racing really well, has won two of three starts for Glenn Stevenson. Hype. Uh, as you know about, the horse now is Aiden Nunn. Um, look, he, he won most impressively, albeit narrowly, at his first run on the Devonport uh, synthetic surface uh, in the Sheffield Cup. Miss Charlie Brown, who won the Golden Mile. There's five or six uh, strong chances. Alpine Wolf, who was beaten a nose last year, and the horse that beat him, Swoop Dog, uh, they are both among the leading contenders as well. So I think it's going to be a really strong race and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, race nine at 5.09 Tasmanian time. And just before you go, we're almost halfway through the season. Glenn Stevenson and Cody Jordan are doing pretty well in their fields. Low flying at the present time. Uh, Glenn Stevenson has trained 12 winners from his past 30 runners and now leads the uh, trainers' premiership. He's never won a trainers' premiership, but uh, the way he's got the team going, he's got a good hand at Devonport on Wednesday as well. Uh, And Cody Jordan's just come from the clouds. She's ridden nine winners from her past 30 rides and now sits second on the Jockeys Premiership, of course. Cody went across to Victoria, South Australia last year. It didn't quite work out for her there. She's come home. She made a bit of a slow start uh, when she returned home, but now she's got her confidence back like she was when she uh, won the Premiership down here a couple of years ago. And uh, she went on a broomstick, uh, as they say, at the present time. Good on you, Colin. Thanks for that. Cheers. Thank you. Colin McNiff joining us with all of the Tasmanian news. Unfortunately, Trent Evans can't be with us uh, as part of our press room as we come to a, a close. Busy time, of course, uh, for trainers this week with the sales starting tomorrow. Trent, of course, is uh, departing the, the partnership he has with his dad, Toby, to train a small team at Pakenham in Victoria. But uh, he'll, he'll leave with some, some great memories. I suppose Ty Zone, his career best because he, he teamed with his dad to win the, the Stradbroke in 2020 but looking from a Magic Millions point of view uh, when he wasn't training with his dad but of course he was an integral part of the team Hootson winning the Magic Millions in 2017 I remember a young Trent leading Hootson back um, she was brilliant that day but of course Alpine um, Edges being good winning the, the Magic Millions cutest race uh, last year's or this year's carnival and of course uh, Mimi Lagarde um, on a probably uh, not a sour note, but uh, a, a frustrating note, um, running second in the Guineas a couple of years ago. I think we might have Trent on the line now. Is he there, Trent? Good morning. I'll give my producer thirty seconds, but yes, just talking about uh, Mimi Lagarde. Of course, yeah, she ran second. I think in the twenty-two Guineas, uh, King of Sparta beat her on that occasion. And she was a very good man, Mimi Lagarde. She only had the 12 starts for four wins, but I'm fairly certain she's been retired. So we'll look for her progeny down the track. But um, a lot of good memories for Trent. 
with his dad Toby, uh, not only um, uh, when they were in training partnership, or have been in training partnership, but of course right from the get-go when he started in the stables at a very young age. And of course, he's leaving on a high note with Barassi, uh, bolting in there in the maiden, the 1100-metre maiden on Saturday, winning by a big space and running 1-1.8, which was just outside of the track record. Is Trent there now or not? Yep, You've got it now. Right, <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Really well. How are you? I'm well. You're a busy man. You're um, you're um, with media uh, uh, functions. Look, I was just discussing some of the the highlights, and I wouldn't say Mimi Legault was a low light, but it was very frustrating that she ran second. What would you consider as as you're leaving Queensland for a new venture in Victoria? What has been your highlight, your number one highlight in racing? Um. Oh, I, I could talk about all all of the winners, I, I suppose. Um, obviously, with Ty Zone and and sort of getting to travel before my name was on the ticket with Hootson to Royal Ascot, oh. you know that was once in a lifetime. Um, but I suppose just really um, just watching the growth of of this Edmonds Racing and, and where obviously have slowed down a little bit and sort of halved in horse numbers in the last sort of eighteen months, but. From I suppose when I came up here in early 2012 or Easter time 2012, um, my old man had three of his own horses in in work and sort of another 20 that he was prepping to go to uh, Malaysia, and then um, to I suppose the height of of our powers, having sort of 200 horses on the books and 90 in work and training some pretty good winners for some fantastic people uh just i suppose the growth of the growth of it and um successes along the way that that's uh, probably fondest memory for mine hootson must give you um a special thrills you mentioned of course you traveled with her overseas but winning the magic millions that day uh one being the magic millions two in your own backyard i remember you leading her back that day um a day you'll never ever forget. It's a very special day, Magic Minions Day. Whether you win a race or don't win a race, it's it's just a great day. Yeah, it was it was, and um, all of the the pressures leading up to it, and sort of the the thoughts of like, will will it happen? Is it going to happen for us? And uh, even the week before, when like she was, we had a couple of forty degree days, and she was sort of overheating and, and pretty hot, and then had to win the next day back up and the bad barrier all of that so it was an absolute roller coaster of emotions for nearly from the time she debuted on christmas eve to millions day on the 14th was three weeks of um you know pretty tense time but uh, huge outpouring of relief after it mm. well the stable's been able to win the two biggest races in queensland the magic millions and the stradbroke which was with tie zone in 2020 a Stradbroke with a difference that year because there was no one there. Yeah, so that was that was a bit odd. And um, as I've been reminded from some colleagues and, and friends and whatnot on many occasions, he um, he got more money for running second the year before behind trekking than he did for winning. Mm. So um, <laughs> anyway, that that is what it is. And group one on the mantelpiece uh, sits well with the both of us. That's for sure. Yeah, it was a it was a race where they were coming from everywhere over the last hundred metres, but he got his head out on the line with Robbie Fred riding. You're moving to Packenham. Was this an easy decision to make? Um, yeah, it really was. To be fair, um, I've sort of had ambition to be wanting to do something like it this for 
ever since we had sort of those better horses traveling away and uh, I was taking them to Melbourne um, for sort of three or four seasons there, mid 2010s to late 2010s, um, somewhere where I've, I've sort of saw myself being and, and wanted to be. Um, and then as, as you have it, life goes on and you, um, you know, move in different directions. I, I've got a partner uh we've got a beautiful little girl two and a half and another one on the way um so it was just um yeah uh, not uh, you know it wasn't a really was a no-brainer for mine to try and kick off down there and um you know make a go of it yeah i suppose the the feelings running through you as this approaches you know day by day uh probably it'd be a, a number of emotions uh excitement uh probably a little bit nervous as well yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, always nerves. Um, you know, starting starting off in a new place and a and a new venture. But um, I'm sure once I get down there and, and sort of just get stuck in and, and just roll my sleeves up, uh, nerves and, and that, and once I start to have a few runners, will um, leave me pretty quickly. So um, anyway, that's that's life. And after um, Saturday, we move on. So, so when are you leaving after this Saturday? So last uh, Saturday will be my last day here, um, and then I'll just attend the whatever's remaining of the sale for the coming days, and more than likely head down sort of late next week. Um, hope to have first horses arrive um, around Australia Day, give or take, sort of very late January, and um, kick off from there. What what will your numbers be to start with at the, at the stable? I've only got 10 boxes, David, and that's sort of all I wanted to have um, to begin with. I just just want to sort of get my bearings a bit and, um, you know, uh, just get going first and before trying to expand. Um, so I just thought starting off, you know, fairly small, um, rolling my sleeves up and being extremely hands-on and working hard, um, that's, that's never hurt anyone and um, just thought that would be a good option. So... Yeah, I'm starting with 10 boxes, and, um, yeah, we'll go from there. Well, we wish you well. Um, uh, you've had uh, a great grounding here. It's a, a new chapter. I've watched you grow up. You've developed a very intelligent young man, and like your father, you speak your piece. You're not afraid of the truth, and when things are good, that's that's all good and well, but when things aren't so good, you're the first to admit it as well. I've known that speaking with you and also with your dad. So on behalf of everyone, uh, good luck at the new venture and uh, I hope to speak to you again in the future. Really appreciate it, Dave. Thank you very much. Trent Edmonds joining us this morning on Press Room. A little late in finishing, but there it is. And, uh, of course, we look forward to your company again next Monday. Bye-bye.